0: Welcome back all you incredible humans. It is another episode of MedShield Movement Connect show with me, Dr. Fez. Today we're going to get me optimized. We're going to get me from here to like here. We're going to be performing. High performing with a high performance manager in Josh Smith. Get ready to know what you don't know about being body brilliant. This is the MedShield Movement Connect show, where we connect the dots between fitness, health, wellness, nutrition and of course you. Hosted by me, Dr. Fezm Keezer and a special guest that we have every month, sharing knowledge, insights and groundbreaking tips on how to get fitter, be stronger and live healthier. Turn up the volume and listen close. Today you amplify, it's the MedShield Movement Connect show, let's go. Thank you so much for sitting down with us Josh, I'm very excited to hear about how I can perform a bit better.
1: You're welcome, and i can help you out.
0: <laughs> I just put that whole thing on you. It's like, yeah, we need to perform better on the podcast. Yeah. This is why we brought you in. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because I joke about it, but I was even telling you kind of off, off the camera, I didn't know what a high-performance manager mm-hmm. was. I kind of knew that, especially in big um, organizations, you want somebody who's accountable for the fact that people are either going on an upward trend mm. or on a downward trend. Yeah. And it feels like that's a lot to put on somebody, but clearly you are somebody who's put that on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. If you had to explain it to people at home, what is what does that role mean?
1: So within the professional football space, which is where I am, mm. um, it's overseeing all sports science, exercise medicine um, from the under 13 levels to our academies, talent identification and development, yeah. specifically the development aspect. and. <clears throat> coordinating all of that within the club structures all the way through to the PSL level. Um, and it's making sure that uh, your, your doctors are on track whenever you have meetings with them, physios are on track, rehab protocols, what's happening there. Um, are we doing our performance testing and monitoring, training load monitoring, are mm. reports being submitted? Are we taking a look at the right metrics sure. um, and ensuring that all the strength and conditioning coaches, the physios, massage therapists, we're all pulling together to make sure that each target is met, met. yeah
0: um, that just like you just saying it feels like it is this kind of weighty thing were you somebody who always liked like being in sports performing mm-hmm. being somebody who was part of a team or did this kind of come about through another avenue
1: always been in sports so started in professional sports in 2010 with kaiser chiefs i was i was the uh, head of sports science for them for five years mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been a progression for me where I started working with Amazulu in 2017 and going from being the sports scientist and the, the, the s and um, the head of medical had just left and so they opened up this position of high performance manager to take on those various roles. And it was something that starting a new family, uh, just coming back from AFCON with Pafana, so three months away, and you're just like, well, I can't travel all the time. Sure. So it was it was almost like a natural progression for me from being on the road, traveling all the time, to now being maybe a little bit of a pencil pusher, which is not something that you're <laughs> used to. but like A little bit. A little bit. Uh, but it was certainly something that I foresaw and it was something that I wanted to happen because in the international game it's happening. Mm. Um, and, and it becomes, for me, a bit of the modernization of South African football to have this type of position.
0: Sure. And you come from a country that, South Africa.
1: Yeah. Football. Yeah. Football it's, crazy. Yeah.
0: I'm, I, we are known for our rugby. We're known for our cricket. But I feel like when it comes to the heart, the mm. sport that has the most heart, it, for me, it's always been kind of soccer. Yeah. And people love it and people expect a lot from it. And you Big have,
1: expectation.
0: You've worked, you dropped some big names there. Yeah. And when it comes to stepping into that role as mm. somebody who understands what that means, what were some of the processes that your mind was going through when it comes to fulfilling on the obligations that you have?
1: Sure, that's a big question. Because
0: <laughs> I, I got nervous for you, just hearing you going, new family, um, transitioning, and then mm. it's like going into that kind of a club. What, what was going on
1: in your head? Well, I think it really comes down to is from a place of best practice, mm. best clinical mm. practice, mm. what should be in line, what were we doing, and what should we be doing? And maybe basically doing a bit of a, an, an audit on the department, Um, in the medical world you guys will do that all the time so you'll you'll be aware or accustomed to that and it's very much the same thing as are we following best clinical practice is this what uh, other clubs or organizations around the world are doing if they aren't why not and why do we feel like this is good for us Um, and it was really just laying out a pathway that I felt was good for the department and good for the club Mm. um, and and pushing that forward but the first couple months was very much a case of trying to find my feet in terms of, okay, I used to be on the field all the time. Now I need to coordinate the people on the field. Yeah. And, and how do I do that in an effective manner where they have the freedom to do what they, they need to do and want to do? They can be creative within their space, but at the same time, we're ticking all the dots, yeah. Yeah, all the boxes, uh, in terms of achieving what we need to achieve from a physical performance perspective.
0: And I mean... Yeah, that sounds like it was a process of rolling out a lot of things happening all at once. Mm -hmm. But the show is called kind of MedShield Movement Connect and we're trying to connect principles from people such as yourself who've worked on bigger scales or have performed at kind of peak places that most people look at and, and aspire to. When it comes to your concepts as to a, the basic mindset around incremental improvements, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, you hear things from Atomic Habits, all these books talk about incrementally trying to improve day by day, week yes. by week, by, by month. What would you say you found is the plan that you give to a lot of the people who want to improve and get themselves at their optimal on a basic, basic level for everybody at home? So
1: I think basic level is constantly measuring what you're doing Mm. Um, and that creates the platform for a stepwise progression start off with knowing where you are identifying your weaknesses um, and then tailor making a plan associated with for me my key philosophy within within training is being specific Mm -hmm. so specificity for me is king and you want to make sure that you're training what you need to train Um, if a push-pull athlete you need to be training those types of muscles associated with that type of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll always be different types of exercises that you can tack on, uh, which give a bit of flavor and a bit of color. It. Um, but it's more almost there just to stimulate the athlete so he or she doesn't feel necessarily bored. You want mm. to keep them engaged, mm. change things up a little bit. That's where off-season becomes so important. Is they're still active, but they're doing different things. So it's not that same run through of the exercises that they would do every single day either with you or with with the team Mm. Um, but for me it's really starting creating a starting point measure and monitor and that monitoring needs to happen on a daily basis and you need to react to that in a dynamic fashion so we use something called an acute chronic workload ratio okay and that gives us um, based on whatever metric we're using whether it be RPE, which is a rating of perceived exertion, scale of 1 to 10, how hard did you work? Mm-hmm. You take that figure, you multiply it by duration, that gives you your workload for the day. Mm. Now, you add that all up over a one-week period, and you, you compare that to the average training load for the last month. Mm. And you get different types of ratios, so is anything below 0.8, you're underloaded for that week. Okay. You need to increase your loading. Sure. Um, 0.8 to 1.3, you're in a good spot, a sweet spot, above 1.3 risk of injury and above 1.5 high risk of injury. Mm. And so we use that on a daily basis with our players to see are they getting the right load. You'll see that with a lot of the non-selected players, your big issue is is that you'll have a pre-match training session and that's generally very low in load. Mm -hmm. And then, so your non-selected guys will be involved in that. Then on match day, they're not playing. playing, So we've got to try and metabolically top them up. And then depending on the, on the training week, they might have, we might go straight into a day off or we might then have some type of top-up session for them. But the match minutes won't be there. So their EWMA um, or their uh, ratio mm-hmm. will be off compared to the rest of the guys. Of course. And so we need to modify training on a daily basis, so that they taking those. a look at that so that we know they can step in at any point in time and meet the requirements of the game. Sure. That was um, quite a long-winded answer. No,
0: I mean, uh, for me, I, I'm, and again, this is going to be a conceptual thing, but it does sound like that incremental kind of progression is what you want, mm-hmm. making sure that you are overloading mm-hmm. or making sure that you push harder than last time, as people like to say, but yeah. also understanding that if you push too hard too fast, mm-hmm. you risk that uh, potential kind of injury. Exactly. And I always find it so interesting that performance is almost like you want to peak and be at the the optimal points in what you're doing physically or mentally at specific periods and then you kind of almost want to taper Taper off off. and have that ebb and flow so you as best as you can shorten the time frame where you're injured or you are burnt out and optimize the time where when you really need to perform Mm -hmm. you can because you've been primed and I think that's kind of some of the big concepts that especially when it comes to people in your field you're almost able to measure it because people start talking about things like strain and Mm-hmm. And what's your strain ratio? And all these apps come out and give you all of these measurements. But I almost feel like they're essentially giving that concept in a more specific yeah. and hopefully scientific way. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean... So just just what you touched on there now about having to make sure that you peak at the right yeah. time. Within football, you've got multiple peaks that you need to achieve throughout the course of, of the season. It's not like a boxing event that mm. you're, you're building towards. Yeah. And so we we have an undulating... Periodization, where first day back it's an underload. So then you mentioned overload. Our second day is generally our overload. Sure. Um, and then we start that taper process to drop down in volume and intensity. Mm. So we have that taper. So by the time we get to match day, we should be theoretically seeing some type of tech, peak. Yeah. yeah. And and that the overload training session we generally try to model that of supercompensation. So. Within 72 hours, that's when the game is. Mm. So we've had that uptick now where we've overloaded them and we should start to see some type of uptick Uptick, with their physical performance. Yeah.
0: Again, this is the beauty of just understanding all of that and then translating it to the people on the ground and making them understand it on those kind of more fundamental processes. When it comes to the difference you found Mm -hmm. when it comes to kind of, because people always, when it comes to sports, they talk about national and international and how they maybe do performance-based things. Is it that we are scientifically not on par with those individuals when it comes to performance and optimizing? Or is it more along the mindset of like mental? What's the big difference when it comes to a player who's playing here, who Mm -hmm. may be playing in bigger, far wealthier clubs? Yeah.
1: Um, I I don't think that we're far off from a scientific Mm. perspective. I think we've got some fantastic practitioners in the country. I think a big issue comes down to budgets. So for the longest time, we weren't able to have access to GPS because it was just too expensive. Mm. And as the technology improves and becomes more common, the costs just drop off. Mm. Um, And so we were able to get access to that, for example. So I think one of the big things is, is that if you take a look at development academies in the country there's certainly an issue there with long-term development of, of individuals um, and nutrition is so so important for the young kids and you'll often have kids that will have their last meal at say 12 o'clock they'll then finish school come to the academy uh, get a training session out and in some cases some kids will miss their boarding school dinner because it's not been packed away and they will now try and scrounge mm. to get a meal um, so it's, it's there are a lot of things associated with our country that create issues and stumbling blocks along the way. Um, We don't have fantastic public transportation. That's that's another hurdle that, that these young kids have to encounter. And so you find that instead of their development process being just about football, you've got all these other factors and granted everyone in life has these to contend with, but you're not going to get the best out of that individual when they're having to fight so hard. Um, in a developmental uh, capacity to get there Mm. Um, so certainly that our our athletes are generally smaller but quicker and so something that Stuart Baxter would always say is yes they're bigger than us but they'll be chasing shadows and so you need to utilize uh, your best uh, what's the word? Your strengths. Your strengths, yeah. yeah. Lean into them more. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. I mean, it's,
0: again, an- this is another highlight on how what you do consistently kind of compounds, what you don't do also compounds. Yeah, because 100%. a singularly missed meal is like, oh, okay, I didn't hmm. kind of eat today. If that happens more consistently, yeah. there might be a tapering off in terms of growth or development within in many, many fields. Yeah. But the thing I can say when it comes to kind of mental prowess and mental acuity and sharpness, having sat opposite other athletes and they really talk about kind of how they perform mentally and mm-hmm. translates into their physical work, where do you find people are best able to tap into that mental kind of prowess? Because... At home, people might not be athletes in the physical sense, but Mm -hmm. they go in day to day and they're trying to get some sort of an edge. They're trying to get themselves mentally sharp. And I've kind of read all sorts of, you hear from podcasts, books, David Goggin talks about mental Mm -hmm. edge that one can get and how one uses 40% of their capabilities and mentally you can tap into more. How have you found you've been able to roll that out to the people on the ground and on the grassroots?
1: So I think mental strength, um, and just basic mental tools are often uh, underlooked Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was something I actually rolled out with the, our Supersport United guys was before training sessions, we would have a mindfulness session. Mm. And so we would do a bit of core work, pre-training activation, and then everyone would lie down, cool room, lights off. And it's just a guided walkthrough. Sounds so yogic. Sounds like a <laughs> proper yoga no, I, session. I, 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 I was consulting different texts and everything. And I was definitely told that my, my yoga voice had progressed. <laughs> and there is a voice yeah, to it. Yeah, no, 100%. So that would be something that even your average Joe, you can certainly do is have that quiet time in the morning. Um, close your eyes, focus on your breathing. Um, and slowly just kind of run through the various tasks that you have in mind for the day. Uh, visualize confrontation Mm. because in that calm space you can also visualize how you'll deal with it Um, and I'm certainly no mindfulness expert but various tools that we created along the way with our guys was to think about the wet grass an opponent tackling Mm. you how would you deal with that the crowd shouting envisage that harsh environment and prepare yourself for it because your mind doesn't know that it's not experiencing it and yeah. in that moment, exactly. Yeah. So recreate that physiological stimulus, the way your, your nervous system will react, and in that calm state, deal with it.
0: I love that, and I mean, I thankfully have had my time in kind of yogic spaces but also see it reflected because I play all sorts of other sports, even in boxing. It's almost like if you can visualize the jab and how Mm -hmm. you'll slip and how if something does hit you, the fact that you, how you'll react to it, it. literally and i know there are many many studies that can back it when it comes to signaling and how the brain will work you'll be able to feel far less disorientated and able to go back to kind of your your first principles in terms of how you're going to deal with it josh you are somebody in the sports field yes sir and i always ask people before they go rapid fire questions i love it when i get to ask people who are very knowledgeable about Athletes and people who have done incredible things and and the difficulty of a lot of the things they've done across mm-hmm. fields Because even in boxing you're by yourself and you have to do certain things And team sports That also has its own implications your top three greatest athletes of all time you Can be you can be patriotic and be South African. I want like the greatest athletes, athletes of, all of all time. Yes, athletes I know you're gonna to want to lean to <coughs> Messi and you <Leonardo, laughs> know, but Greatest athletes of all time, top three, number one. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, why?
1: Incredible swimmer. To do what he did on that global stage for such an extended period of time, fantastic. And I'm I'm a former swimmer as well, so. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I
0: knew there was an underlying, because nobody's gone out of the bat, gone Michael Phelps. But I also feel like as an individual sport, that also speaks to something in terms of him when he's doing his relays. 100%. Um,
1: Two. Michael Jordan. (laughs) Uh, he is the goat he He
0: really really is Last Dance absolutely incredible documentary shows how one man's obsessive I'm not even going to say near obsessive Mm. obsessive nature and expectation Mm. from himself and others can lead a franchise to become something incredible for what could have arguably been a very uh, poor Mm -hmm. franchise and is now something that's there in the pantheon you don't even need to explain it I've explained (laughs) it I always say it and then number three
1: Number three, I'm battling to find a name. Ooh, Usain Bolt, probably. Really? Yeah.
0: You put Phelps and, Bol- and Bolt on the same list. Usually, you have the one and not the other. No, no. Yeah. Why Phelps?
1: Uh, why Phelps or why Bolt?
0: Oh, oh why Bolt, sorry, not Phelps. Oh, so or Bolt.
1: Bolt, again, incredible athlete. Mm. The way he changed the world of sprinting for me was fantastic to watch. Sure um
0: were you a sprinter
1: no i certainly wasn't <laughs> i was i was waiting for
0: i was a sprinter no like a... no
1: um but he was just so incredibly dominant mm. um and you'd like to see a bit of that as well as the fact that he's people are blowing their guts out and he's smiling cruising yeah cruising he's, he's maybe in fourth gear
0: six foot five i actually met him had an incredible oh, interview wow. with him um, unfortunately if this had happened probably I would have been like hey, dude, "Yeah, dude we're Josh He's also <laughs> awesome as well He loves you Also very nice guy mm. um, Very big But yeah. very fast yeah. um, I was blown away by him Great energy yeah. Josh great energy from you Another ah, incredible thank you. interview Thank you so much for sitting with us You're welcome um, Thank you very As much somebody for who is a virtuoso When it comes to high performance I'm going to send him film Of me doing sports <laughs> of me in theatre So he can kind of appraise it And hopefully I can get my own strain count and ratios to get better 100%. as a practitioner there we go. <laughs> always getting an edge in these interviews thank you for being with us You're welcome and that is another phenomenal high performance episode of med movement connect show with me dr fez i'm going to see you on the next one um i'll probably be quicker i'll be more agile on my feet you won't know which one it is but you, you'll see the uptick <laughs> you'll see it